If you were or are as big a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as I am, then I have quite a treat for you. Because today, I speak with Casey Wayland, the producer of the new Audible original series, Slayers, a Buffyverse story, which reunites many of the original characters and takes some of our favorite Scoobies on an otherworldly adventure that pits them against Drusilla, who reigns supreme as the big bad, with a very different Terra at her side. If you've been waiting to sink your fangs into this series, but haven't yet done so, please pause this episode right here and go listen to the whole thing. Then come on back here, because our conversation is entirely spoiler heavy, as we really get into the nitty gritty of everything that happens during this bold return to Sunnydale and beyond. This episode is brought to you ad-free, thanks to the kind supporters of this program. If you would like to support this program, please visit our Patreon page by visiting the link in the liner notes of this episode. And now, it's time for the show. So grab your steak, prepare your spells, and follow me into the cemetery for my conversation with Casey Wayland. Well, Casey Wayland, um, thank you so much for joining me here today on Faux Real. It's really great to have you. You are a podcast super producer and now an Audible award-winning podcast producer. So congratulations on that. Listen, I, you know, you're going to have to forgive me for, you know, uh, being a total fanboy. I definitely am. All, I'm all about Buffy. I've seen every single episode many multiple times. Um, I can, you know, uh, give you lots of random quotes and tell you episode titles and all of that kind of thing and where they fall and all of the seasons uh, I'm a big, big stan. And, uh, you know, I I absorbed, I was a huge uh, fan sponge of every single moment of Slayers of Buffyverse story. And I, I just, I, you know, congratulations. Well done to you and the entire team. Amber wrote a significant extension to uh, the Buffy multiverse in this story and it is it is so impactful it is so powerful just like the original show mm-hmm. it it gives you so many moments to chew on and think about and scream about and gasp about and i was doing all of those things and frightening passerbys as i was listening you know walking around the neighborhood um so i want to i want to try to get into as much of it as i can first of all how did this originally come about? Did Amber contact you? How did that start? Sure. So, uh, so, so some of my background is that I, I've been producing audio for a long time. I wrote a lot of my own stuff. Um, and I have been working with Audible on a couple different projects, um, specifically with Audible UK. Uh, it's interesting how there are there are different um versions of audible there's audible canada there's audible brazil there's audible australia there's audible us like and they all work a little differently which is really interesting um and so i had worked with audible uk for a while and uh one of the commissioning editors had contacted me about it and they had been working with amber and chris and so this this project and another project that um that potentially may we'll see if it we'll see if it ever hits the light of day um they were talking about this this project in particular and they're like hey are you interested in it um are you because we would look for somebody who could be you know our boots on ground kind of guy because this is a lot of the cast is going to be located in la um it's going to be a serious complicated project because of all of the effects that are going to go into it the multicast recording i mean it's going to be really complicated and we need we need someone who can handle this and we know that you've been able to essentially handle this stuff before so i'm like great yeah no problem let me know when we're ready to get started and i will be good to go and then um it kind of went on a shelf for a while because of the 
all the little caveats that go along with producing something like this, because I mean, they, they got to go through Disney. They got to go through audible. They have to get the approvals. They have to check with all the cast to make sure that they're all on board. Um, so there's a, there was a lot of uh, lead up uh, from that initial conversation until they like, okay, well, we're still doing it. Um, we're just, you know, dotting some of these I's and crossing the T's and, eventually um they came along and said great all right we're ready to record um are you ready to go in like two months and i'm like oh okay <laughs> let's uh let's go and so um they gave me the scripts i i gave uh, a couple little things to look out for in the recording session start planning it out start you know contacting cast agents and arranging all of the coordination um and it just kind of took off from there and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of coordination, really complex to get everyone back together. But uh, ultimately, it it really worked out in the end. Well, what you what you did is uh, no short of a masterpiece. It truly is. I mean, you you did such a fantastic job on every level of the show. Um, all of the, all of the little you know uh, the the little uh, chirps and groans and growls <laughs> and all of that really came through. As well as the in, uh, the wonderful narrative, you know. Plus, uh, in all of that work that you did, um, you know, uh, bringing it together and putting it together, you also played <laughs> Mr. Pickles. Oh, you know about that, <laughs> Tara's Dark Tara's uh, monkey minion, uh, which is it's, I I I, just, I get endless giggles from that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That that was uh that was interesting because like the, I always throw my voice into these things because we we need a filler sometimes. And uh yeah. I was like I can I've done monkeys before and I'm like I can uh, let me just throw <laughs> it in there because and what they brought me a script that had a dog that was a main character. They brought yep. a monkey that was a main character. Yep. Not to mention countless minions and I'm like okay, well the dog we're going to have to get a real dog. But for the monkey, let me just fill in with in this in the studio. I'll just jump up to the mic so you can have someone to interact with, um, with no intention of actually being the character whatsoever, because um, I don't want to be that producer. I'm like, oh hey, you know that you know be that role. Um, and then I just got up there, interacted with Amber, and Chris was like, okay, great, you got the role. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, let me, let me start working on this a little bit. Cause I had no rehearsal, no warm up of like just throwing it out there. And I'm like, all right, now I got to figure out. And then by the end of uh, the recording, I had gone through and replaced every single line that Mr. Pickles had, which was basically just chirping. Um, I wrote right. what he would be saying if it is a monkey responding. So that way it has some authenticity to all the little <laughs> and all the little tiny things that he had. That's so great. <laughs> uh, it really is fun, you know, coming up with those voices and those intonations just, you know, off the cuff. I've done, uh, I haven't done as much voiceover as I would have liked. I love doing voiceovers. It's one of my favorite things. There's nothing better than a job you can do in your pajamas, you know. Oh, yeah. um, it's, but, it's, uh, <laughs> it's limitless, too. I mean, and, and what the cast loves about it, too, is like you just come to a microphone and you get to just play. You don't have to, you're not waiting for a camera. You're not waiting for lights. You just step up to a mic and just get to, it's like the most raw form of acting that I think most actors get to do nowadays, um, where they just get to stay in character for a long period of time. I love that so much. One of my, one of my favorites is Alan Tudyk, uh, mm -hmm. who this is just, this is such a nerdy, lame claim to fame, but I, he had, he had posted, uh, he had posted something on Instagram that I, that I replied to, I'm a pun master. Uh, I I thought I thought I was being uh, funny, and he he liked it. So um, I worked. You ever worked with him? No, no. I honestly, what's funny is I've uh, I've I've almost gotten to work with him a couple times, and just hasn't happened yet. Fingers crossed, it will in the future. Um, but a lot of respect because that's the funny thing is like he he has become the iconic like sound effect voice guy and it's interesting how a lot of people don't even know that like a lot of the original things from star wars the beeps and things and they did a lot a lot of uh really simple voice stuff was done by actors back in the day um and and they still go because 
that's the thing is especially with things like characters like dogs and chickens and and when you need them to perform a certain way you can't rely on a sound effect library or the real animal heaven forbid i mean we did it with the dog in this show but oh boy was that tough i bet it was how did that whose dog was it it's actually my neighbors and it's (laughs) It's really interesting because, like, I had gone through the process of looking to see if we could get, like, a, a dog actor. And it's 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 actually a complicated... They're process. hireable. There are agencies. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really complicated. And then, like, to to get them to emote and give... Because they're, they're visual most of the time. To get them to bark and to respond in the way that you want them to not always works well. And so I was like, okay, let me just see what I can do. Let me get my neighbor's dog in here. Um, let me see if I can get them to, cause literally, you know, they're, I've heard them before I heard them bark and I'm like, okay, well, I know that they can bark. I know that they do this stuff. So maybe yeah. see if we can make this work. And we tried everything for about an hour and got like barely a whimper. And then I was like, okay, what can we do? So we ended up coming up with a solution. Cause I was like, I asked my neighbor, uh, Chris, who's, who's the, one of the owners of the dog. And I was like, Hey, how how does this dog bark normally? Like, what's the situation? She's like, well, when when you put her in her crate, she doesn't like being in there and she'll bark and respond. And I'm like, perfect. So we ended up putting the dog in a crate inside the recording studio and then just left. And then I was behind a curtain. And then every so often I would make a sound that the dog would go, what is that? And so we would just solidly record. And then afterwards we went and spliced up all the little individual barks of like okay what does this bark mean what does this bark mean what does this growl could this growl be used like in this oh, wow. way so you had to go back after the fact and then listen to all the oh my goodness wow that's a that's that's a lot to take on it um, was, it, but it worked really well because like yeah. we would I'd, I'd write out what i thought the bark meant and then when we had a scene where it's like oh we need a little aggressive growl and we need a playful bark or something that's like annoyed. And so that way, because uh, the sound editor wouldn't have to go through and listen to every single one to find what they needed. Especially when you listen to dog barks for, like, I think my editing session was like four hours of dog barks. Literally, I had to take it the rest of the day off because it was so high-pitched editing. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm oh, done. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and and I'm sure you you gave the dog some extra treats for uh, for <laughs> participating. <laughs> Very, very much so. Matter of fact, around here somewhere, I don't know where it is, but we have uh, Jasper's collar because we actually had a dog collar made to make sure that we got the jingle of when the dog's in the scene. Right. So exactly where it is. Um, and also, it's we wanted it to have that, you know, a collar sounds a certain way. So we even had it engraved because we're like, we're going to buy a collar. We might as well put Jasper on it. Wow. Dog collar fully. I love it. <laughs> Man. Um well, I want to get uh, I want to get into the uh, the characters and everybody that was brought back for the show. We have a lot of the original players: uh, James Marsders, Juliet Landau, um, Charisma Carpenter returns, Anthony Stewart Head, and my favorite, uh, Clem James <laughs> T. Leary. Oh yeah, who was so cool, and his yeah. story was expanded so much in the show uh and you know i i love i I love that character uh from the original series and he's just he's just so strange and uh you know lovely lovingly so though he's he's really a, a demon a demon puppy and uh you know uh this uh slayers gave him some new demon abilities that we yeah. didn't know about before, or the I didn't know the about wrink- the wrinkly skin, the explanation behind it. I thought right. was clever. I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool," and yeah. and he, that's such a soft, tender side of like thinking about all the dynamics of the characters. He was a really good fill for that because we needed we needed a little bit because a lot of the other characters are harder edge, and we needed that soft edge, especially for like you know for 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 Indira to to get that connection with. For sure. Um, and Indira, the uh the new slayer who just got her powers over breakfast, um <laughs> uh played by uh Leah Dillian Hayes, 
who is wonderful. I wasn't previously familiar with her work before this. And then, you know, I went into the whole rabbit hole of, of <laughs> all of the various projects that she's worked on. And she is, she is a powerhouse. She is such, oh, yeah. such a perfect, uh, perfectly cast actor for this role. And, you know, a perfect slayer. Oh yeah. Because she has that strength and courage in the way that she plays the character, in her voice, in, in her intonation, in her resolve. Um, it was so great. Uh, I loved everything about this, about her new character and her place in this new world uh, that she is sort of helping create with her, you know, by, by being a newly adorned slayer, um, which was so very cool. And then on the uh, other side from Clem, as you said, you know, he, he was sort of the heart of the story. And then, and then we have the big bad. Uh, oh yeah. Played by Juliet Landau returning as Drusilla. And she was, uh, she was, you know, dark and creepy and mysterious and terrifying in the original iteration. And here, she is even more malevolent and uh and creepy as hell i i loved it so much um i heard uh, i was listening to james marsders on uh michael rosenbaum's podcast and i love hearing him talk about <laughs> you know uh how much he enjoys juliet's portrayal of that character and how she as Drusilla scares him a little bit. Uh, Cause you know, you need that in this character, right? She's so good. She, she's one of the most like prolific stuff. Like she'll study the material for a long time before she ever steps up to the microphone to the point where like she would come to, to play and she would be giving Chris notes about the world and character that she's like, well, what about this? And what about like, uh, remember when she did that, like she's so well versed in study that she would like she could give lessons uh, to to everyone about like her character's motivation in the world and uh, to make sure that it all worked well. And then just to see those two interact, it was probably the the least amount of directing we had to do was just between them because it was just so organic. We were just like, it was here's lightning in a bottle. Let's just keep on recording. We'll get we got to get another take for safety here or there or. You know, maybe we got a little jangle on the mic here that we got to make sure we get clean. But other than that, it was just like it was it was pretty much perfect the whole time. They were like that on the original series, too. And you could really feel it through the screen just as much as you could feel it, you know, through the headphones listening to this series. Um, such palpable sexual tension. It was oh, yeah. yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had I had the great pleasure of uh, speaking with Juliet on the podcast that I used to co-host. She um, uh, she came out with her husband Deverell, and um, uh, when they were first in uh, some sort of uh, production for her, you know, uh, dead series, mm-hmm. and um, she is she's just the loveliest person. Uh, oh, yes. she she's just the kindest sweetest person i i guess that's how it usually goes right the the most unassuming people uh play the darkest most sinister kind of characters um i like to do that too because nobody expects it right nobody yeah, I, nobody expects uh the the uh the nerdy guy to <laughs> pull out the maniacal laughter um and i love it so much um and um i will i want to get right back to slayers but while i have you i also want to talk about ghostbusters station six uh wow that's a reference (laughs) i i was just scrolling through imdb and i was like "Ooh, how interesting uh so i watched it i watched the whole thing um I am uh, just as much a Ghostbusters fan as I am a Buffy fan. 
maybe I'm going to get in trouble by saying so, but probably more so only because I've <laughs> been in the, the Ghostbusters fandom longer. But um, it was really, really fun. Oh. I got I to gotta say, it was really well written. Like, it was, there were a lot of funny moments. Uh, Barrett had the best lines uh you know and um uh you were great as as the husband really enjoyed yeah, I, was, I was only i was like barely a cameo in it I, my, my son was in it actually more than i was he was yeah the, yeah he was the boy right and then my my wife had that uh had to do the scream in the very beginning of the scene uh the yeah it's it's been a while that uh <laughs> you pulled a deep reference on that one i was like Man, I got to go back and watch it again because it's it literally has been like my son is uh, turning eight now. And it, I think he was barely one. So about about seven years ago on that one. Cutest baby I've ever seen. I got I got I to tell you. <laughs> I agree. Um, I totally agree. It was uh, it was a real treat. I've watched all of the various Ghostbusters fan made projects. Um, I, I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, but I, you know, I had to check it out. Um, and uh you know, for for the budget they had, uh, it was I I really got a kick out of it. Um, it was, was a lot, a lot of passion and a lot of a lot of props too, because they are such big fans. They had the props for that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I've never had the money. Otherwise, I'd I'd have a whole suit in my closet too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, I know Brent Huff uh, appears in it as as the Coven Man who uh, is one of my favorite characters on The Rookie. He plays Schmitty. Um, I was like, is that Schmitty? Um, you know you know who I'm referencing? Uh, I'm actually doing a, a quick, quick <laughs> on it real quick. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And he's done a lot of great projects. I was really surprised to, uh, to see him, you know, as, uh, as the minion of Vigo. Oh yeah, I I I don't think I was there for those days. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, I mean um the got you're having me how you're having me pull out some stuff that I was prepared for. <laughs> but the whole team um I'm drawing a blank for names cuz I'm sometimes horrible with names especially off the cuff uh like this. Sure. But the whole team was just so dedicated to putting that together that um man, I I, I think they did I want to say they wanted to do more, um, but I don't know if they did. It was planned as a series, I saw. It's on IMDb as a pilot. I think they were, I mean, that's probably how they had to add it because the title administrators are weird about that stuff. But I know as I was reading through the various, uh, you know, things that I was finding about it, they had planned to shoot at least at least two more episodes and make it into a full series if they could. But that was the only one that I could find. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that was the case as they were trying to uh to do more of these and uh unfortunately it didn't didn't exactly work out too well. That happens. Oh. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned uh Brett Brent Huff. Um I don't know if I could say it, but uh literally Ooh, is this I, exclusive? <laughs> sure if you want. Um we just recorded him for uh for Scout's Honor for uh for We're Alive, another series that I'm doing. Uh, uh-huh. he plays uh he plays a, a deckhand um for the introductory uh, introductory uh episode. Uh and he did a really great job. Uh and so it's very small world, uh how yep. that works. I uh I didn't know if I was gonna say it or not, but I mean, you know, like oh. Well, thank you. I, I love exclusives. I, I, I love to hear that. He's such a great actor, so much fun. And, uh, um, you know, he's one of those actors that plays comedy and drama really well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, just, just really fun to watch on screen. He has a, uh, I don't know the word or words that I'm looking for here, but, you know, it's just like when he, whenever he's playing Schmitty, you know, on the rookie, you can tell that he's he doesn't even have to say anything and you know that he's up to something just all the time, you know. And I, I kind of get that vibe from him as an actor. Like he's always got all the gears turning at all at all times. And he he really, you know, thinks about how to uh deliver that line in such a way that it's, you know, 
Yeah, you might not giggle when he says it, but ten seconds later, damn, that was that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, he working with him was really fun. Just a, just a great guy, and he's got that. He's got a really great voice. He's got the 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 deeper gravelly, and it just had a really good uh, sense because. The the character he played in in our uh our show that's coming up is like he's kind of supporting this this young kid who's going to camp for the first time, so he's got to have that friendly nature, and it's 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 a really great scene, um before all the bad things happen in this in the show. Of course, yeah, as they do, all always always. <laughs> um, and you and you've done a number of the We Are Live series, right? It's a it's a whole. It's a whole world. It's a whole verse, right? Yeah, it's uh we're going on, I think let's see here. I think there's been seven seasons that are out, and then uh eight would be Scout's Honor, the one that we're doing now, and then I have two more uh that are uh one of them's written and then the other one's in pre production. So and then and then it'll be a done at uh like nine seasons, I believe. So it's it's wow. a bit been a big ongoing thing it's actually how i got into the audio space to begin with was i started it back in 2009 uh when we first had that writer strike to begin with um it's a it's a survival horror zombie show and there wasn't uh there wasn't one of those on television at the time and i was like oh cool this is a an untapped market this would be great yeah. to do this and then literally almost a year maybe year year and a half into making it all of a sudden i hear about walking dead coming out and i'm just like and now there are 17 of them yeah <laughs> so many and it's uh so that's why i ended up staying in in our audio space because it let me explore different avenues of the storytelling and you know become the audio storyteller that i've sort of grown into and one day we may go visual and we'll be ready for it i mean because just like vampires and all these other types of demographics there uh, or genres, there's always room for more as long as it's got a good key character and story. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, we've seen so many in this, you know, these repeated genres over and over. It's a good place to keep coming back to you. I love vampire stories and uh, you know, that's of course one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of, uh, of Buffy and uh, all of those characters. And um, uh, I also love that the, uh, the gem of Amara was brought back <laughs> into this story. I really loved how that seamlessly fit into the narrative of this series. Um, and uh, you know, all those, all those little Easter eggs are just, are just things that make us give us fans the, you know <laughs> the tingles the, the those in the background the uh, that that were in the original series um there's so many little references it's meant to be a lot of fun drops in the in the end and and also one of the, the cool things about it is that like with the buffy series like in the end when they have so many slayers you know it kind of the the value of a slayer kind of diminishes a little bit and that's why it's kind of fun in this world of like you get these sort of do things again in a way that's really interesting and engaging and um and get to do those the like the gem of amara stuff that um that may have you know played out in one series you can bring it back in another and it also gave um charisma carpenter a uh a chance to have a whole new story as the one and only slayer um, and, uh, you know, give Cordelia, um, an entirely different, um, you know, uh, a whole new thing. Um, and, uh, so, so great to listen to. Um, this charisma is a badass to begin with. Like, she really is. Like, working. He Working with Charisma, I would work with her a million times over. She's one of the sweetest people, just super dedicated. Will wants to wants to really get to where uh, it all works really well for the character, and just just one of the nicest people I've ever worked with too. And so, like, you couldn't have a a better Slayer step to the plate. And just uh, I'm I'm excited to see Knock on Wood where we can you know continue to take the the character and the story uh, that you know, is is kind of reborn in this new universe. Especially 
uh, where we where we find the characters in the final moments of the series. And uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a, a, a you know insert uh, blaring sirens that it's I'm it's gonna talk all about spoilers. I I don't care um, if they haven't listened to the show by now. Stop this right now. Go listen to all eight hours of Slayers Above Eversed story and then come back to the show. <laughs> got time. Pause here. That's and- right. What else are you going to do? You're on holidays. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yes. That was good. Cool. Um, <laughs> one of the other uh, really fantastic uh, returns of the characters is uh, Danny Strong as Ghost oh, Jonathan. Yes. Oh, that I, I, you know, out of all the fan fanboying that I did during during this, um, because you know, getting to to play with the characters, because that's what we do in a booth, we get to play. Um, uh, that I have I've grown up with and known for so long. Danny Strong is one of those actors that um I've seen and practically everything that he's done and love him in every role, like from. Uh, from Gilmore Girls to to Mad Men to uh, he was just in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I mean, everything that he does uh, is just super super funny. The guy is incredibly talented, um, and I I, I I unfortunately had to remote direct him because he lives in New York and I'm in California. But we got to meet him at the premiere, which or, which was really great. Um, but oh, that we had to cut so much material because he was just so funny. Yeah. Like, like even even uh, I don't know what I'm if I can say it or not, but even Disney was like, okay, we need to pull back on a couple of these jokes because they're a little a little too far. And I'm like, it. like they're really good. Do it. <laughs> uh, I I um I I told Chris later I was like, please have Ghost Jonathan come back if you do another one of these. Like a- Amber, absolutely, Amber Chris, please. Like these this character was super funny, and there's a lot that you can still do with it. And I, I don't know, I just I really loved that um that essence that he brought to that character and got to come back and do it again i did too i loved it so much uh it just uh you know um filled with giggles every time uh every time he quipped (laughs) yeah um that um i just watched a really long video the other day about how good season six of Buffy was and how much it holds up and all the things that they did in that season and where, uh, you know, he and the trio really became kind of the darkest forces that the Scooby gang had to deal with because they were idiots, but also, you know, (laughs) so smart because they didn't think like any of the of the vamps or the demons you know um because as it's been said you know the uh true darkness comes from the human heart and uh it really came out in spades with those characters in that season um and, and that's uh, one of the the biggest like build-ups you know because after that we had the the willow saga Mark willow yes and that i think i think it was really interesting how that how the humans set in motion some of the darkest stuff you're right in the series yeah that was uh that was one of my favorite bits too dark willow uh you know um oof. <laughs> it's, it's 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 one of these it's kind of like um well no they, they they do the sort of similar things in the marvel universe with um uh the name escapes me at the moment um uh with wanda thank you yes uh-huh. yeah kind of reminded me of of sort of that regurgitation of that character and going to that side of things and yeah i mean when you have someone who becomes that powerful to use them as you know the 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 friend becoming the foe is i think a really fun arc to play with um and well we we've, we've seen that a lot with you know well, a lot of the characters of buffy is like that that line of good or evil the dance on both sides of the blade absolutely um yeah uh sorry i told <laughs> I, <laughs> I was going in a direction and it lost me gotta love adhd 
um, so Amber wrote the series, and she also, of course, uh, returns as Tara McClay slash Dark Tara McClay, mm-hmm. uh, which was, uh, you know... Slash, slash Kurgan, kind of, too. Slash uh, Kurgan, yes. Um, and... I had it written down, and the uh, the gentleman's name has escaped me. The actor who plays Kurgan. Oh, Josh uh, Petersdorf. Yes, he's also uh, Roadhog from. Bringing in these references for my head is <laughs> Roadhog <laughs> in the Blizzard game. Oh, uh, World Overwatch. of Warcraft. Overwatch. Overwatch. Took me a minute. Sorry, the, the references this morning. <laughs> I had a little coffee, but probably not enough. Never enough. Um, Excuse the ambulances going by. There will probably be a few of them. This this intersection that I live next to is uh, one of the... I don't know, man. It's really dangerous. There was just a big accident literally right in front of my building the other day. Guy got trapped under a car. I came outside seconds after it had happened. The um, the fire department is right around the corner from us. So, you know, it doesn't take them long. And there were like there were seven fire trucks and, uh, you know, police cruisers everywhere. And they uh, I saw the guy get loaded into the ambulance. He was he was a little twitchy, but he was very much alive. So that was that was good. They got him. They got him out. Uh, but, you know, people people just don't pay attention. They come flying down here and it's uh, it's ridiculous. Back to Dark Terra slash Kurgan. Yeah. Uh, just as we were speaking about how how fun it is to see such innocent characters turn to the other side, and in uh, in this parallel reality, uh, Terra has um, has fallen in love with Drusilla uh, mm-hmm. after turning to the dark side after she um she was casting from this uh this tome that is possessed by the blood and spirits of kurgan who is uh this used to be a watcher but um one of one of the original watchers is that correct or uh, the original I one of the original council is i believe um but definitely and, it has a, a deep, deep history um, before, like, way, way pre-Buffy times. Right. And so he is essentially, uh, his spirit and essence now exists within this tome. Uh, uh, and uh, anyone that isn't a Slayer who attempts to uh, do magic from it is cursed um, as though they've been imbued with, uh, you know, um, a, a Horcrux. They have they have touched a Horcrux, and now they have a piece of Kurgan's spirit within them that controls them, possesses them, turns them to dark ends. And boy, oh boy, uh, Tara really, really feels it. And... Uh, the good Tara, who was still trapped inside of Tara's, this gets very complicated. <laughs> uh, it does, and it's 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 uh, for us also to keep it organized and make sure it makes sense um, was was tricky because also we had to um, we have overlapping voices a lot in with when Kurgan starts to come out is like we have to have Kurgan and. Tara side by side essentially in in the recordings to make them you know feel and then little by little you actually hear Kurgan's voice start to take over more of Tara as they progressively go right uh, and it was it was it was tricky but it was a lot of fun of of kind of like we get we we play with that with uh with the other character of um with Anya and Anyanka also with Anyanka getting and getting... then she she gets fused Anya and Anyanka and and jasper and the puppy and oh yeah. it, that's that's one of those things that like if if you were to see that it may be like a little odd it's kind of like the thing you know with all the little things in different spots sure. but uh in audio you it's like 
cool, we can make this this limb flop around on the ground and it's not going to be as gross uh, if you see it in your head that way, like I had to do. And also yeah. like literally flop my arms on the ground to like make the sound effects for them. Um, that it, it can get a little wacky. <laughs> yeah, all those sound effects were done really well and very visceral and uh, and gross and disgusting just the way they should be. I really enjoyed all of that. It was, it was like a measure of how how squishy and gross do we want to go with this? And we ended up leaning more into it um, to make sure that it was as clear. Because when you have all three characters and you can't see them, you almost have to make them as gooey and squishy. So I, I ended up like just turning it up more, you know, adding more of those little flops and weird things in there. That was very Cronenberg. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I a very Cronenberg kind of... Uh, uh, that's a good deep reference right there. Mm-hmm. That 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 was the visual that I that I got from the giant fleshy mound that they became. Um, it was very cool, and there was there was a there was a whole lot of that double and triple voicing happening with Anya Nanyanka and Tara, and um, you know people in other people's heads and switching back and forth and. Uh, <laughs> Lots of very, very, very quick timing of, you know, characters like um, uh, when Indira and Cordelia were um, were sparring. Um, I love the sound editing in those pieces because that that is something that is really difficult to translate into an audio you know, uh, of, of, you know, when people are, are fighting and throwing punches and flipping over one another and all that kind of thing, that is, that is, uh, you know, it's very intense. And I would imagine, you know, uh, kind of a nightmare, honestly, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's become so involved and there's so many action sequences in this, like with, with this, the sparring, um, it's literally us because we don't have the actors do any of these things because then you limit on what you can do for timing. So once they've recorded, we would edit everything together, get all the performances where we want them. And then literally we'd be in the sound booth, you know, doing the, the sparring, trying to get them to work right. And then literally trying to find the right ones that match those, those perfect moments. Like, you know, are you hitting, are you hitting and striking and sliding? Like, what sort of uh, also what sort of efforts are they giving at the same time? Because sometimes, you know, you want them to give an effort, but sometimes you don't want to over effort it to make it too much. And uh, it's so it's a balancing act. And and it one of the things of like all these fight sequences is it's all about the clarity and how you can make sure that the audience can hear what they're doing. And then after we've done all that, then we are literally positioning everybody in Atmos so that if you were listening uh, on an Atmos device, you can hear them kind of move around, uh, which is really, really cool. If anybody, uh, I gotta read- do that. <laughs> it's really fun. Like um, the, the Atmos quality of the production is something that we hadn't really done a huge amount of before. Like we've done some panning and some, some surround sound stuff, but Atmos sort of allowed us to really move the characters because there's no screen. So we are we can basically, you know, have characters fly over your head. And uh, it's it was really fun to do that. And for those of you who ever get to listen again, like if you if you have the Atmos qualified headsets and you can kind of move your head and kind of listen in the direction that they are. Oh, boy, I got to do that. <laughs> I I know what's on my Christmas list now. Um, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. And all of those all of those sound effects came through so well. Um it, it's just really well done. It's very well done throughout. Um, you can you can really tell the transitions of things, you know, without doing a little um, or anything yeah, like that. You that's know, tricky. The, yeah. to, from scene to scene, like we fortunately we have when they're going through dimension to dimension. Here's a little fun Easter egg if you're listening closely. The sound going to the dimension or the other dimension is different so that you can kind of know where you're coming and going a little bit. Um, but yeah, like that last sequence when they're all the fights are going on at the same time, that was tough. Uh, if you listen to Atmos, literally we're doing like 
crossfades um with wind and things to make it seem like you're going from a space to a space and and trying to get it as seamless as possible because oh boy that those last sequences a lot is going on and you don't have the liberty of moving around a camera into these different spots um and we ended up making the magic box have more rooms than it may have actually had uh because why not why not it's i mean you know it's a magic shop I uh, it's I'm sure I'm sure you know if they had gone into Buffy season eight and nine I'm sure we would have saw, seen all of that anyway you know <laughs> of course it has right three of them there's like a background ground and then another you know why not sure basement too and yeah why not it all makes sense in the world <laughs> it, does. it really does um there were there were so many elements to the show that were just really incredible. And uh, I love, I love that Giles returns as well. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, he is, he is uh, happily partnered, um, which was very sweet. And, you know, I retirement and yeah, working with, with Anthony was, was really awesome. And also we got to have all the cast members together at the same time like he was re- he was remote but he was able to be there in the room with all the cast and oh that was such a treat they love that i bet uh i i couldn't even imagine being being in the same you know virtual or physical space with uh with all of those actors at the same time um and anthony is such an incredible actor um i don't know if you watched ted lasso but uh yeah yeah such an a-hole on that show and it's he's a good villain i was like good job this is yes i love to hate him on that show (laughs) yeah that that was a that was a real uh i I, when i saw him and then i was like oh this is this is great because we got i got to record him i think before season three came out and he was just i think he had just wrapped uh on it and he was just saying how how much fun it was to to you know to play that role and 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 be that villain yeah um he would be he would be so much fun to talk to um just uh such a such a reserved power that he has you know um which was always the sorry i was gonna say and we really pushed him too because if you get to the ending the like making him play that character it's really like oh dang when he did it i was like it doesn't feel like the same person and i'm like perfect Perfect. Yeah, I I won't lie. Just because I'm, you know, uh, so in tune with these characters, I saw that that's where I I knew that's where it was going. I was waiting for it. I was like, yes, it was such a beautiful payoff. Um, and oh my goodness, I I so 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 hope that you know you get to make a season two and three and beyond. Oh, there yeah. are so many places these characters can go. I was just reading on the, where was I reading it? I think it was the Buffyverse wiki or something that Amber was talking about, of course, bringing Seth Green in, you know, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't fit him into, I I guess it didn't work out for this, uh, but she really, she wants to bring him in for the the next iteration. I love Seth Green to death. Um, He actually came, it was funny, we were recording and he was in the same studio recording something else and he, we just invited him in like, hey, come, come say hi. And then he was like, wait, what is this? What, can we do this again? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, fun. That's great. Let me ask you this about going back to the Giles thing. I'm curious. Did you pick up that it was his voice earlier in the previous episodes? Because we did plant him earlier on. I'm curious if you picked it up then or you didn't realize it till the end. I, I, I did see it coming kind of early on. I also, I, I was really hoping there's all, all the pieces, um, all the pieces that took place in the dungeon, I was like, how many other people does Drusilla have down there? There's got to be some other, you know, some Easter eggs coming up. I, I was, I was so hoping that there might be like some little cameo from Allison 
at the very end or something and we got it just not her but you know i was like yes you know <laughs> that was that was a big big thrill and i i kind of i was picking it up about about giles because i was like as you know uh he's tried to retire like 20 times now and he keeps being <laughs> very unsuccessful at it <laughs> He keeps getting brought back into the fray, you know, uh, he and Buffy fell out. And then, of course, you know, Dark Willow happened and he had to come in and kind of save the day on that, even though Xander was the one that ended up saving the world with with Dark Willow at the end. But, you know, um, they they needed Giles to come back uh, and help them fight because, of course, he's uh, besides being the best watcher in all of the council, uh, as we found out through many iterations of the, the various oh, watchers. Yeah, the only one that, that actually can like, he's, he's the right one for the job. He is. Yep. So that, that was really great to see all of his, his turns and, uh, you know, great, great to hear his voice. Back oh yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm excited to see what, where this goes. Cause honestly, I have, I have heard little ruminations from Chris and Amber about like ideas that they have about what they want uh-huh. to do, but I don't know where, yeah, I have no idea what direction they're going to take it from here. And uh, it's, it's kind of up in the air a little bit. I think we're waiting to just get that green light to, to hit the, the afterburner and say, go for the next season and, uh, and push it even further than what we did in this first one. Well, I I sure hope it gets there. I can't wait. I as a as an actor and sometimes voice voiceover artist, I really hope that uh, maybe I I get a chance to be a part of it. Um, you know, um, and things to kill. I mean, I can't tell you how many minions we killed. It was a lot. Right. Um. Just so awesome. Um. Casey, I really appreciate you joining me here today. Um, I, you know, I have 50 other things that I'd love to talk about on the show. I know you also joined uh, Jenny and Kristen, uh, Jenny and Kristen on the Buffering podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. I didn't listen to it on purpose because I didn't want to skew anything that I was going to talk about with you, but I'm going to listen to it immediately after this because I want to listen to all the other things that you have to say uh about this incredible in that case i'm glad i didn't repeat some stuff because i had i had some stories that uh on there that i i think i may have uh i i'm, I'm glad i didn't tell you the same ones <laughs> me too that's that's what makes all these episodes special and uh you know i'm uh i'm i'm the puppeteer of the show i don't you know i don't i don't have a producer i am the producer so <laughs> i i really I know, appreciate- I know that gig <laughs> yeah yeah i i know that you do um Thanks again for joining me today. Enjoy your holidays. Um, and uh, I can't wait to listen to all of your various projects, you know, into the future. And uh, I look forward to chatting again, maybe when we have the second season come up. That'd be really fun. I would love it. Thank you so much. Enjoy awesome. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yay. Faux Real is hosted and produced by me, Devlin Wilder. I also coordinate talent booking. Logo design is by Chris McCaffrey. Social media is done by Oprah Holmes. You can follow the show across social media at FauxRealPod. That's F-A-U-X. The outro music you are hearing now is Dynamo Rainbow by Christian Leo. Faux Real is a production of Wild Entertainment.